While the pandemic has seen many of us have to change our daily habits, none of us more than the charities that operate the homes away from home, and the most famous of those is the Ronald McDonald House. Joining us today is Jessica Wright. She's the Chief Executive Officer at the Ronald McDonald House Charities of New Mexico. Jessica, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for giving us the time. Uh, so, for those people that don't know, can you explain what Ronald McDonald House is? Sure. Um, Ronald McDonald House, quite simply, is a home away from home for families whose children are sick or ill or injured and being treated in local hospitals. So, we provide them a place to stay while their kiddos are being treated and they've traveled in from afar. Okay. So, a family, let me start with what is defined as, as a kid? Um, for our purposes, it's under age 21. Okay. And, and when I say afar, I mean 50 miles or more outside of Albuquerque. Okay. Um, and so where is the, which hospital is the Ronald McDonald House attached to in Albuquerque? Um, we partner with all of the Albuquerque hospitals. Our current house is located on the UNM campus, so we're closest to UNMH. Um, but we also partner mostly with UNMH Presbyterian and Loveless Women's. Wow. Um, okay. And let's... Mm -hmm hit this a few times. I want to hit this a number of times through the interview. Yeah. How can people um, donate if they feel so inclined to help the local Ronald McDonald House charities? Definitely. The best way to support us is to go to our website, which is rmhc-nm.org. So it's, it's just our initials. That's where you can find out information about donating, um, whether that's monetary. We have a huge wish list that we always have going for in-kind items, as well as giving of your time. We thrive and survive because of our volunteers. And all of that's right there on our website. Okay, awesome. Uh, and I have, I have so many questions for you. So let's, <laughs> let me back up and, and start with how did the Ronald McDonald House begin? Um, so originally, you know, it's a fun story is that there was a Philadelphia Eagle player, um, Fred Hill and his wife, Fran, and um, their daughter fell ill. And so um, they had her being treated at a local hosp hospital there in Philadelphia. And they got to know other families who were traveling from afar and didn't have a place to stay, or it certainly was an expense that they hadn't planned to incur. And so they started thinking about what could they do for that. Um, they were fortunate that it didn't impact them in that way. They were happened to be friends, you know, being football players, they had connections. They were friends with the local McDonald's owner operator and they got with a local doctor in the area and together they did a fundraiser. Um, that's where the original Shamrock Shake fundraiser came from. And they raised the funds to purchase the first house there in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. And from there, I know, it's kind of fun. And they're still involved. They live in California. Um, they still come to a, a lot of stuff. Um, they're very active in the charity. They're very great people. Well, no, and I, I guess I've done a lot of different interviews. It's, I guess I assumed that it was started in the boardroom of the McDonald's Corporation, right? That it was, right. That it was sort of just that organic idea. It's also amazing how somebody's just idea like that can blossom into the expansive charity that the Ronald McDonald House Charities is now. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, it's, it's a worldwide charity. There's um, almost 400 houses now across the world. So it's certainly something that took off and organic's the exact way to put it. It's, it's because people rallied around a cause and, you know, kind of supported a friend and said, let's do something good. They all viewed themselves as blessed in various ways in their lives. And look what it's turned into. So we all view McDonald's as our 
founding mission partner. Um, but I'm very glad, you know, like you put it to say that it didn't start in a boardroom. And so talk me through the process. Somebody is in uh, is more than 50 miles away. They're in Rio Doso listening right now. Mm-hmm. Their kid right. uh, fall has some sort of, you know, event or some diagnosis. Um, and what exactly do you do for that family kind of from that moment? So typically what happens is um, we work with the social worker that the families are assigned at their hospital. Um, so whether it's uh, anticipated, meaning an illness and an anticipated appointment um, or some type of you know accident or injury, and the, their local doctors will deem that they need to come to Albuquerque, um, then the hospital social worker that's on the intake side will very quickly talk to them about, do you need somewhere to stay? Do you, you know, do you have the means, do you have family or do you need assistance? And then the social worker gives us a call and they say, Hey, here's who we have. Do you have space for them? This is what's going on. Um, it's a fairly simple process from that standpoint, you know, because the last thing we want is to add to the burden that the family's experiencing. So our purpose is to hopefully ease their minds in lots of ways. So all of that energy and focus can go to their kid. And so, when they, what is the experience like? Um, I also anticipate that it's a bizarre feeling. You're just to be in a foreign city at a hospital where you don't know anybody with your kid at the hospital. Um, what is it like in the Ronald McDonald House? So we try as best we can to calm the families and put them at ease and normalize things a little bit. So when they arrive, we give them a tour and tell them all of the amenities that are available. Um, We walk them through. We've got a a great community kitchen. So we have dinner provided every night, um, as well as having the staples available so they can do a grab and go breakfast, make a sandwich. Um, I always joke in New Mexico, our staples also include like tortillas and green chili. So we've always got that there in the fridge for, right? Yeah. You know, and there's eggs and there's milk and there's everything like that. Um, There's coffee. There's a Coke machine. um, There's a library of books and DVDs and free laundry. All of that's there for them. Um, Their rooms are set up depending on family size um, with a variety of number of beds, possibly a sitting area and, of course, an attached bath. So we, we take them around. We show them all of that and try to just put them in ease and hopefully make them feel comfortable as soon as possible. Um, we also provide them local resources if they don't have transportation. We provide taxi vouchers to get them back and forth to the hospital each day. Um, we give them connections to if they need places of worship or they need to get some groceries or whatever else may be. We try and give them everything they can. So like you said, when they're in this unfamiliar city, they're not trying to navigate anything more than they have to. Wow. Bob? The other question that is sort of always fascinated me is that you these houses are kind of these fully stocked, just ready to go. But that's mm-hmm. all mostly because of volunteerism, correct? Correct. Um, yeah, we we have just about everything to go. They get a welcome bag. Um, we're very for. Oh, let me back up. We're really fortunate because we have a ton of corporate partners through through RMHC as well as local. Um, volunteers and donors. So 31 Bags is one of our partners. So when they come in, they get a welcome bag that's got a great um, bag from 31 Bags. Most often it has a stuffed animal, probably donated from local families um, or organizations here. They probably have a knitted lap blanket 
because we have some amazing volunteers that will knit and crochet and drop those off on a regular basis. So they get just kind of, you know, and then snacks and whatever else it may be that we have on hand. And so much of that is because of the people that love and support us, um, that they come and they say whether they're going to come and work at our, our desk and greet our families and help, you know, answer their questions or providing us goodies um, that we can pass on to our families. It amazes me the generosity in our community and how we're able to then pass that on to our families. And what it's are some 100% the- how we survive. No, and I think it's amazing. What are some of the uh, charity, especially I know it must have changed with COVID safe practices. Are there certain (laughs) things in terms of donation items you're looking for? Yeah, so you're right. (laughs) Like everybody, it's all changed with COVID practices. Um, But we keep a wish list on Amazon and you can just go search for RMHC New Mexico. And so we try and keep on top of that during more um, normal times when we have a full house and the full kitchen and stuff that can be as simple as, Hey, we're running low on flour because we have a house baker that comes once a week and makes a bunch of cookies and she needs more flour. Um, we're always, of course, like everybody else looking for hand sanitizer and things like that. Um, but it's also, um, it's boxed cereal. It's anything grab and go is always good from a food standpoint because that's what the families are doing. Um, toiletries, We always ask people, you know, when you're traveling around and you've got hotel toiletries, have those here. Because like the example you mentioned, you have someone in Rio Doso and their kiddo has an accident. They probably left with the clothes on their back. They don't have a toothbrush. They don't have anything. So if we can provide them with, here you go, here's a bag of toiletries. We have clothes. Um, So we do shopping for our families for clothes that have been donated because, again, they may only have what they have. And then now they're here for a couple of months. So anything like that that you consider a comfort of home, we turn around and provide that to our families. What is the capacity of the Ronald McDonald House here in New Mexico? So the current house has um, 30 rooms available. And then we're finishing up building our second house, which will be an additional 20 rooms. So that'll put us at 50 rooms total. Wow. Can you talk to me about the new house? Uh, I know that the the charities are very excited about it. Yeah, it's a really exciting project. So we are building our second house directly across the street from Presbyterian downtown Albuquerque. And it is actually going to be inside of the Spring Hill Suites, um, which is a Marriott uh, project and it's the first of its kind for Ronald McDonald House Charities to be intentionally built inside of a hotel. So we're excited to be pioneering that way. Um, it's gotten a lot of attention. It's great on the local level because it's brought in a couple of local developers. You have the city involved. You have city councilors involved. Of course, you have Presbyterian involved. You have us as the nonprofit. So it's been an exciting partnership from that. I'm born and raised in Albuquerque, so I'm thrilled to see what's being done to transform that stretch of Central and to know that we're going to be a part of that revitalization and to know that from our family's standpoint, part of that project is there's a sky bridge that will go from the hotel across to press so our families can come from their room, go to their doctor appointment, and never get outside, which is just amazing. Yeah. We're speaking with Jessica Wright. She's the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities of New Mexico. Uh, And what's the timeline for that project? We are wrapping up. Um, Actually, I am 
hopeful that we're going to sign up on the final punch list here in the next couple of weeks. Wow. And yeah, I know um, it's been, you know, relatively the project hasn't been too impacted by COVID, which I'm grateful for um, a little thing, but not, not too bad. So hopefully we'll sign up on that. And then we get in and get possession and it'll take us a little bit to get up and running, um, get approval from the global organization. But we should be welcoming families there here in the next couple months. And so how different is that? Is it, do they, does the hotel treat the floor as if it's not even a part of their infrastructure? Or is it something that is treated more like part of the hotel's umbrella? Both. It's fascinating. <laughs> um, because it's the first one that was done. I mean, we had to figure it out. And, you know, our local developers, which is Titan Development, my SS development group, when this was first getting going, there were weekly phone calls that I think one of the guys told me it had 17 attorneys on the call every week to try and navigate all of it. Um, so from a legality standpoint, we set it up as a condo association. So our floor is one unit and then the rest of the property is the other unit. So that's how we're doing the back end of it. But on the day to day, we're kind of feeling it out. We are our own entity in many ways. Um, we have card key access that only goes to our floor. So, you know, you can't use our cards on other floors and vice versa. Uh, yet we are going to have a partnership with the hotel as far as linens. They have a, you know, they've got the beast in place to process linens for their whole property. So we've got a very simple color coding system and our linens will get processed in their facility and we get billed accordingly. So we're trying to get some economies of scale when we can. Um, but it's been very interesting because, you know, how we run our house is different than how, how a hotel is run in many fa- ways. And so trying to think of those quirky things, such as um, I think one of the best ones was the ventilation for the kitchen. We're on the third floor of the property. So we're smack in the middle. It's a six floor hotel. So they were just kind of going to do standard ventilation. They said, no, we need to we need the ductwork. We got to do the full thing. And they, I think they initially thought we were concerned about the smells. And they said, you don't understand. We have amateur chefs cooking 365 days a year. <laughs> you, you, you need the expert ventilation if you don't want your, your fire alarm going off and evacuating your entire property on a regular basis. So stuff like that's been fun to figure out. And so normally uh, you, you don't have the hotel to do the linens. Do volunteers come in and do the wash and, and some of those like housekeeping things? Can people volunteer that way? Yes, we definitely, you know, our volunteer things run the gamut. So we have people that are here that are answering phones. We have people that are putting together the goodie bags. We have people that are um, our housekeeping volunteers. So it's exactly that. They're doing the linen exchange. They're helping us turn the rooms and getting them prepped. Um, We also have kind of one and done opportunities. We do, for instance, we make breakfast burritos every so often that we have them. We then freeze them and we have them available in our family rooms which are located at Presbyterian and UNMH. So we have people that come in, spend a few hours, crank out 200 burritos, get them wrapped and frozen and ready to go. Um, We have someone that at the current house, she's an expert with plants. And so she comes and once a week, she comes and she waters them and she trims them and she adjusts their positioning and all of that stuff. So we try and find, you have a passion, you have a skill set. I am... I guarantee you I'm going to find a way that we can utilize it if you're interested. And that's awesome. And how if somebody wanted to volunteer, or you mentioned amateur chefs coming in and cooking all the time. Yeah. Uh, same. If they if people have a skill 
not necessarily you know a, a monetary compensation, but a way that they want to pitch in. How is the best way for them to do that? Couple of ways to do that. Easiest thing you know is our website because everything's there. That's rmhc-nm.org. So it's just our initials. Um, that's where you can find everything that's going on. Uh, contact information, reach out about volunteering, donating, etc. Um, we also, from a volunteer standpoint, we do utilize Volunteer Match. You'll find our opportunities on the City of Albuquerque website, Center for Nonprofit Excellence, a couple things like that. Uh, the Amateur Chef piece is its own program. That's called our Guest Chef Program. And that's something where truly our, our goal is every night of the year, we have a group that comes in, they um, plan out their meal, they buy the ingredients, they come and prepare the meal on site. Um, it's a great opportunity for team building for a group that comes in. Um, it's a fun way to give back. You know, we have a lot of regular groups that that's the highlight of their month as they get to hang out with their crew and spend a couple of hours together and feel good about what they're doing while they do that. We're speaking with Jessica Wright. She's the CEO of the Ronald McDonald House Charities of New Mexico. And the reason that we wanted to have you on was to talk about um, an event that we've been a part of, this radio station, for uh, a few years, uh, which is Share the Love, Share a Night, um, which of all of the charities that have tried to reimagine how to do fundraising, this one seems to be the most intact fundraiser, if I had to say. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Talk me through what it's normally like and how it's a little different. Sure. Um, I will say we're fortunate that this one was, you know, not the most difficult to change up. But nonetheless, we did have to look at some things there. So quite simply, our Share the Love, Share a Night fundraiser, it's a T-shirt fundraiser. We do a different design every year. Um, We have opportunities for sponsorship on the back, which is how a lot of our companies will get involved. Um, We have people that'll, they'll do a sponsorship, they buy it for their employees. And then, you know, people can do a t-shirt, you know, a t-shirt at work day type thing to participate. Um, And we set it up towards $15 a shirt. And that price point is very intentional. We ask our families to pay $15 a night. By no means is that what it costs us on a nightly basis. Um, and the other side of that is we do not turn anybody away for an inability to pay. So if they can't do that, that does not in any way impact their uh, access to the house. But the concept is you buy a shirt, you know you've provided a night stay for one family. And then we ask everyone to wear them at the end of October in honor of our anniversary, which is uh, October 30th. And how many years is that? Um, we were we opened in 1982, so uh, 38 years. Well, congratulations! Thank you. I know. Uh, and so back to the when when the family stay there. So fifteen dollars is the suggested donation, um, but again, nobody's turned away for things like that. Correct. Um, which actually, when you think about the cost of a family to stay somewhere. Um, is is ridiculously low, you know, when you're talking about right. a, a, two parents and a, a, assuming another kid. Um, I keep saying kid, I'm sorry. Another child, another sibling. I I say kiddo all the time. It's kind of universal. Okay, it's okay. Good. Um, and <laughs> when they do check in, um, and when they do, can you talk to me about how, um, I guess, some of the stories of what people are expecting the Ronald McDonald House to be uh, compared to when they actually do check in and kind of those differences? You know, that's a fascinating question because 
you're hitting on something though. A lot of it's so true, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, they don't know what to expect if it's their first time here. They don't know what to expect. Um, chances are they've either gotten a recent diagnosis or, you know, like I said, there's been an, an accident of some sort. So they're already frazzled and anxious and nervous and whatnot. And they're just kind of wanting to get through the steps. And so, you know, they're maybe, I don't know, maybe expecting a, a common shared space of cots and whatnot. I, I don't even know. But um, when they come in and they realize, oh, this is a house. There's a kitchen, there's a living room, there's a sitting area, there's a garden, um, there's a quote unquote, you know, yard, um, there's rooms that you walk into your room and you have your bed and your desk and your TV and your bathroom and there's washing machines and there's a refrigerator that I can go into at midnight and get what I need and there's a coffee pot that I can go brew a pot of coffee any time of day. Um, I think they, they just, they haven't even thought far enough to think I wouldn't have thought that would be there if that makes sense. Um, but it very quickly calms them. And I think the other element that they don't anticipate, but they certainly, when they're leaving, it's what I always hear about what they appreciate is their interactions with our staff and our volunteers. You know, they're in a lonely place. Um, they're trying to be strong for their child or multiple children um, and their family. They're they're probably feeling pressure and guilt that as parents, you know, they're putting upon themselves and all of that. And so having that friendly face that they can sit and talk to about anything going on or anything unrelated if they don't want to go there. Um, just the, the, you know, good mornings that they get or the interactions they have with the people that are cooking dinner at night, just that sense of normalcy and that sense of compassion. That's something we hear about all the time that they, they didn't see it coming. Um, and that's what sticks with them the most, I think. And can you share with me any, uh, stories that stick out of, of families and, uh, their experiences that might help other people understand kind of what they're going through? Sure. Um, you know, we've, we've got a couple that we talk about frequently. Um, we've got one family that um, their kiddo had been diagnosed with a, a very serious disease and they became, they became part of our family. Um, everybody knows them by first name. Um, it was the mom and the daughter that were here most frequently. And I mean, they come into people, everybody knew, oh, hey, they're showing up today. Um, and I'm admitting names just cause I didn't get permission. So, um, that's what that hiccup there was, but they'll come through the house and, you know, we all know if they're coming, we all know if there's a scan going on. We all know if there's big news happening. We all know if there's a blood transfusion happening, whatever it may be. And so they, um, the, the daughter liked to bake. And so our house baker would intentionally have items that she could help with. And so it got to be that when she was here, she could sit and bake and she would help with birthday cakes for some of the other families or whatever that may be. Um, we follow along with their journey. We celebrated. Um, in fact, when she was, I'm tearing up just saying this, um, but when she finally got to ring the bell for her end of treatment, some of our staff were there for that to go celebrate with them because we'd been on this journey with them. So we embrace them and they become part of our family and you know, they frequently we have families that send us photos. They come by and say hi. Um, we had one that 
you know, the kiddos were born premature. So of course they don't recall any of it. And the family was back in town and the kids, uh, they were like four or five. Um, but they were, you know, they're, they're like, we need to show you, this is, this is the place we talk about. You need to see this. And they take pictures with Ronald out front and celebrate it. Um, another one that has probably been seen quite a bit on our social media. There's a family that they had quadruplets, um, very early and they were with us for a number of months. I want to say it was about five months and it got to where slowly everyone was cleared to go home and then they come back for appointments and thankfully for them, they are able to stagger. So they'll bring two at a time versus all four. Um, but we'll sit and talk about, okay, how are the other ones doing? And they really developed relationships with some of our staff. And so they bring um, local food that they'll bring up here that they've prepared to share with our staff because they know our staff likes it and vice versa. So it's just really a sense of connection and family. And um, it's so much more than how you have a roof over your head. You mentioned the community aspect of it. Has COVID impacted people's camaraderie within the house without a doubt um you know unfortunately i mean it, it is what it is but um we are not allowed to have our common spaces open and that's huge um because even if they're just kind of shuffling along in their pjs and their slippers and doing the very casual head nod because they haven't had coffee yet you know they still would see each other um, they would sit in the dining room and they would share their stories. And so they knew if someone had a big day coming up or um, important news was coming or whatever. And so to not have those casual interactions, I know is hard for our families um, because it, they're, they're just, you know, that was something I think that gave them a sense of peace that they're not able to get. Um, also, unfortunately, these amazing guest chefs that I talk about, we can't have them right now. And so we still, we've been committed to providing dinner for our families every night. And we've gotten creative with that through some fundraising, through some generosity in the community um, and stuff like that. But that's been another piece that's been really hard that our volunteers are so disappointed. Um, our families are disappointed because they're not getting that component to it. So, uh, you know, ultimately they get it. They want the safe space and they're so grateful, but, we know it's a huge, huge hit to the experience. You mentioned the ring the bell ceremony. Can you talk about what that is and what that looks like? Sure. That's something that you see at hospitals that um, patients, not exclusive to pediatric patients, um, but if especially if they've been doing um, chemotherapy or radiation or something like that, that once they do their last treatment, um, I, and I'm envisioning it because I've seen this at different hospitals throughout the city but somewhere on that floor or in that unit um, they have a bell or an equivalent and so they'll typically gather um, all of the medical personnel who's there um, the patient frequently may have more family than they normally would for a treatment and um, they get to go up and they get to ring that bell and that signifies that they have completed that part of their journey it's very emotional um, no questions very emotional last Thing, just to recap, people can give yeah. monetary donations, people can give donations of their time, donations of, of skills and expertise. If you have something that you like to do or you're good at doing, um, or in kind and uh, donations, or if you're on the board of, uh, of some corporate giving initiatives, the Ronald McDonald House has a place for you. Without a doubt. Um, we have 
like everybody, we have tremendous need, but we have varied need. Um, and I like to get creative. I like to create partnerships. I like to figure out how we can support each other. So, you know, part of our new house, for instance, I'm doing everything I can to work with local vendors for all of the items that we need there so that, you know, we can make sure that what we do stays in New Mexico. So if, if you've got a skill, um, if you've got people that have time to give, if you have the financial means, uh, if you want to, you know, some people are very particular on what is passionate to them. We recently had a group that said, we want to support the new house. Here's a monetary donation specific to helping outfit your kitchen. Um, we have others that we've set up wish lists. And so they went and said, it's important to us that there are bassinets available. So they pick the bassinets off of the wish list to make sure that we're getting, you know, exactly what it is that resonates with them. So if in any way that our charity and the work that we do resonates with you, I guarantee we can find a way to help you support it. And I've got to say, if your Amazon account looks like mine has in the last five months, <laughs> throwing a few extra things in the cart won't make that much of a difference in, in right. expenditure. You know, it's and it's been a win-win because we participate in Amazon Smile. And so when you do the wish list, it also goes. So, it, you know, it's like this triple whammy. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Jessica Wright, Chief Executive Officer at Ronald McDonald House Charities of New Mexico. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for tuning in. This is Weekly Edition.